Hello and welcome to episode 69, dude, of the Massive Attack podcast. Want to do that again? I'm Joe and with me shaking his head is Mitch. Let that go. Hello. Slide it through to the keeper. How are you? I'm very well. Excellent. Yourself? Good, good. We're back and we are continuing with our A to Z. Doing that alphabetical thing. Yeah. Thang. We are up to the letter J. J. And uh, deals with junglist have fallen through, so no guest host this week. Uh, We nearly got X to replace, but we just couldn't do it. Well, it was the wrong letter. Exactly. Of course we couldn't do it. But, no, it is Jay, and we are looking... Joe, let's talk about you. No? Do you think I could fill 45 minutes of a podcast just talking about me? Yeah, I think you could. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Would people listen to it? You didn't ask that first. No. Yes, all right, I know. They probably wouldn't. But instead, we are looking at some cartoons again this week. Mm. And a few other things. Yeah. And Jay is for Josie and the Pussycats. Long tails and ears for hats? Yeah, that'd be That it. one? Yeah. 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 Oh, I know them. Yes. Well, I think this was your choice, wasn't it? I think, it was, again, in my list of putting down stupid ideas to placehold, you take them literally. Okay, so this wasn't a serious thing? <laughs> well, too late now. Okay, because, yes, I, I've been watching a lot of cartoons and movies and stuff. So, anyway, yeah. shall we run through a little bit about what Josie and the Pussycats is? Yes, yes, we can. Where did they start? Well, originally in the 1960s, mm. they were part of the Archie universe. Yep. And they got their own comic in 1963. Yeah. But it was just Josie and Pals or something, wasn't it? I think it was. Or I think it was It's Josie or something. Yeah, something like, like that. that. Yeah. It wasn't a musical thing. No. Like, if you asked me what it, what, it, what it was Josie and the Pussycats, it's the, the crime-solving band. That's what I would have said. Are they crime-solving, though? Oh, um, they come across. Yeah. They do stuff like that. Maybe. Adventures, travelling, all that sort of thing. Yeah. But no, apparently it was just a girl called Josie who lived in the Archieverse, you know, from Riverdale, and had boyfriends and friends and this and that. Typical, just an Archie sort of storyline where it's just that slice of life teenager in Riverdale, and it sort of grew to become... Yeah. They introduced characters, they took away characters. I don't think it really became a band thing as such until the Archie cartoon was really popular in the 60s as well, Mm. and they had that sort of crossover hit that actually made it onto the pop charts, which was Sugar Sugar. Biggest hit of the year. Not really? just a crossover hit. Biggest well, hit yes. of the year. And isn't it like the biggest selling hit from a cartoon band? Well, there wouldn't be too many around, but yes. Gorillas. Yes, who have an album out yeah. this week, mm. as we record. There you go. Yeah, so I think Hanna-Barbera wanted to cash in on the idea that they could maybe have a bit of a crossover pop cartoon, so they turned the Pussycats into a band. Yes. And the cartoon was made. Now, the cartoon itself has a lot of similarities to other cartoons. Uh, Really? Yeah. It's like they kind of were a bit lazy with the character design because the main male character, Alan is pretty much the same as Fred from Scooby-Doo. Yep. Josie's pretty generic, just a, a redhead sort of singer. You've got the other members of the band, Melody, who's a bit simple, is probably the best Ditsy. way to put it. Ditsy. Ditsy. All right. Yeah, that, that's probably more politically correct. She yep. is the drummer, stereotyping the fact that drummers aren't very bright. And then there is the bass player, Valerie, who is the first regular recurring black character in a Saturday morning cartoon. Female. Okay. Female, yes. Yes, because obviously they would have had the Jacksons cartoon and probably... No, no, no there's another character before. and something else. I did read what but I can't remember what it was, Mm. but it was a boy. Yeah, so they're the members of the band, plus you have Alexander, who is kind of... A lot He's like the Shaggy. Manager. Yes. And was also voiced by Casey Kasem. Yep. And R.I.P. Alexandra, which is his sister, who is the hanger on. Yeah. And she has a pet cat called Sebastian. Which and is- being the fact that it's a Hanna Barbera cartoon, he's voiced by Don Messick. Yeah. As we mentioned in the Hercules episode, he seems to voice pretty much any Hanna Barbera character that doesn't speak in words. So, yeah. Hmm. So, the original run of the cartoon went from 1972. I mean, all right. Now, do you remember this as a kid? I do. I remember watching it a lot. That theme song is iconic. 
Obviously, I didn't watch it in the 70s when it was first on, but it was on in reruns. It was just on repeatedly from memory. Yes. But a lot of episodes. Like, I remember watching it a lot, so therefore there must be hundreds of episodes, yeah? I would think that, because I can remember seeing it a lot too. Because how many there are? Isn't there 13 or something? 16. 16, yeah. <laughs> so, like, what? <laughs> I, I, just seriously, I can remember this being, I On think, probably from sort of mid-primary school almost up until when I was in high school. It was yep. it was constantly on. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that very simple formula, though, isn't it's it? the same formula. It's, 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 like you said, Scooby-Doo. It's very Scooby-Doo in the same concept of Scooby-Doo that they travel. They're a band. They've, they've got an excuse to travel as opposed to the mystery machine and the guys getting around for no fucking reason. How do they make money? What do they do? They just travel. All of a sudden they find... They're drug smugglers, aren't well, they? Well... That's how they make their money. It seems that way. <laughs> At least Jesse and the Footscats had a reason to be traveling because yeah. they, were, they were playing gigs. Yep. And always came across shenanigans. Yeah. Including, you know, in the pilot episode, it's not just, oh, yeah, they're just traveling and the car breaks down. No, 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 no. First episode, what happens? They're on a boat. And Captain Nemo <laughs> in his submarine kidnaps them. I think it's a different generation of Captain Nemo. It's, it's not a like descendant the Captain of, Nemo. But he's still got a giant submarine and kidnaps them. It's hmm. not like a slice of life anymore. It's, it's some bizarre pipe organ that he plays, too. Well, it's musical, remember? Yeah. But that was the other thing. There was always the kind of, they get into a bit of a scrape. They try and get out of the scrape by playing their songs because somehow they've got a big drum kit that's on like a revolving platform. Did Josie play guitar? No, yes. Josie plays guitar and Valerie plays tambourines or something. And oh, Valerie, I think, can play guitar as well. Maybe she does. But it's like no matter where they are, they've always got their costumes and their instruments and they just like that, they can get changed. Yep. But each episode as well has that kind of musical montage with a original song in every episode. Yep. And the typical of the time, late 60s, early 70s sort of cartoon where it's a lot of running around corridors. chase sequence. Yeah. People popping out different doors. People... Yeah, yeah, pretty much Scooby-Doo did that all the time. It was essentially the same song that they did it to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had this unique song every episode. So I don't know these 16. It's not that many. But if that was like Glee in modern day, there would be iTunes and you could buy that song as soon as the episode aired and stuff I don't know if they did a single for each one I know there was an album there is an album out there with the Cheryl Ladd as one of the um, yeah I think voices. she voiced Melody didn't do the speaking voice just the singing voice which was kind of weird yeah there was an album like a long play album I'm not sure if they did singles per se but yeah it was um, obviously all part of marketing and, and what you can make out of it. But I don't think it was ever as popular as they thought it would be with the whole Archie's thing. Well, the fact that they made 16 episodes, I, I'm, I'm guessing yeah. so. But they did branch out. Well, they did, yes. Yes, because a couple of years later they go, I know what it was missing. Out of space. Obviously. Yeah. But then it's pretty much the same premise, only instead of having earthbound criminals, they're now aliens and they're getting into... Josh and the Pussycats in outer space. space. They were having a photo shoot in front of a spaceship. Alexandra jealously wanted to get next to Josie's boyfriend, which is Alan, knocked them into the spaceship, accidentally hit the button and they launched into space. As you do. That's the opening credits. And the first, very first, I don't think they explained in the first episode, they just are. Well, no, and, back in the day in cartoons, you, you didn't, didn't have to, to explain it because and, it was explained in the title sequence. And Melody had a space alien pet, as you do. And they pretty much any Hanna-Barbera plot of the time in space, like the, uh, the episode I watched was the, the Cat Empire. I think that's the first one. Not, it, not the band, the Cat Empire. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but... Uh, they wanted their queen back or something. They get captive and then they want their queen back. So it was like a Herculoids episode. Well, interestingly, with- <laughs> you say that because Alex Toth actually designed a lot of the aliens in Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space. Sense. So it does make sense. And I was just like, why? Continuum's coming up again, the convention, and I'm doing the 
Saturday morning cartoons panel again. Get and your I'm plugs actually, in. Sorry? Get your plugs in. And I'm actually, one of the topics I think, the, like a, a bracket, is going to be shows that went to space for no fucking reason. And well, this would be in it. And yeah, another thing you could do if you really wanted to is Hanna-Barbera cartoons that rehash the plots. Because apparently there's an episode of Josie and the Pussycats where they, they kind of have like giant plants and it's a bit like Day of the Triffids. And then almost the exact same plot is in a Speed Buggy episode a couple of years later. Yeah. Well, last year I did Scooby-Doo and the Clones. Mm. And it was all the shows that were pretty much that. And I don't think I included Jesse and the Pussycats as a clone. Well, you could have. Because as I, I said... I should have. Alan's pretty much Fred. Mm-hmm. The voices in Jesse and the Pussycats are that very generic Hanna-Barbera sounding voices. As as we said earlier, Casey Kasem, Don Messick. Yep. The guy that was playing Alan's voice went on to be Aqualad in... One of the Super Friends type cartoons. He was Superboy in another cartoon. His he turns up as like various characters in lots of other Hanna Barbera cartoons. I don't think the people that did or the girl that did Josie herself actually went on to do much else. Hmm. But it's that very incestuous in house yes of Hanna Barbera. You know house style and and a go to bunch of people that they use and that's fine. You look at Filmation, it's the same. Lou Scheinman pretty much did yeah. 80% of the voices, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah, yeah pretty much there was a main cast and him yeah, and who did was everyone it, else. Was it his wife or someone did all the female voices and pretty he did all the male was, voices? Yeah. yeah. And going back to what we mentioned in Herculoids as well, they obviously have fair use of the Hanna-Barbera sound library because there is just so many sounds and you just think to yourself, yep, that's Hanna-Barbera. Oh, that's my childhood. I exactly. can hear my childhood. And we looked on the internet, and I think you can buy a, a CD of all the sounds for about four hundred like and something <laughs> CD, like four hundred sound effects for under how many yeah, dollars? It was, it was I'm crazy. Like, oh, I'm tempted, but no. no See, if you could get the copyright, you could get an app on your iPad, and you could have the Hanna Barbera soundboard, and you would make millions. Maybe could mm-hmm. you get the copyright? No. Or right. who does well, copyright anyway? Of course they don't. Well, leading on from Josie and the Pussycats, the cartoon, and I think the main reason why you probably wanted to watch Josie and the Pussycats as a topic, in 2001, they did a bit of a reboot, Mm -hmm. and they did a movie, yep, live-action movie, and it's actually pretty good. I remember it being better than the rewatch last night, but it was still fun. Like, it's very much of its time. It's such a 2001 movie. A space oddity. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it just felt very of that time. The fashion, the music, the the zeitgeist or whatever. Just everything felt 2001. To me, it felt more mid-90s. But yeah, it's... I I like it. It it wasn't a box office smash by any chance. No, it was a ridiculous failure. I think the the budget was 39 million and And it made made about 15 million. Yeah. Ironically, though, the soundtrack CD went gold. Because the music is by far better than the acting yes. in the movie. <laughs> but it has its moments. I mean, it's a fun movie. Like, I love the concept. It's now it's not based on the TV show. There is no crime. Well, there is actually. But you've got this sort of garage band. They play at, like, the bowling alley. You know, they're, they're whatever. They, they do what they can. They're a bit grungy. But they're poppy. They're girl pop, but they're yep. a bit grungy. And it starts off with this: all these girls at an airport screaming like the Blink One Eight Two parody film clip, which is a parody of the Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys. So it's very much that. So you've got a Learjet, and out from the Learjet come these four boys dressed like a typical boy band of the time. And it's Breckenmeyer, Seth Green, Turk from Scrubs, and some and other some guy. other dude. Yeah, and they're du jour. Yeah, this huge boy band and they're all there talking to the audience talking about their world tour they're going on then they hop in the aeroplane and it's sort of like it's fun you see the tongue in cheek from the get go you can see where this movie's sort of going and Alan Cumming is, is looks like the sleazy manager sort of character and he um 
he follows them into the Learjet and that's fine. Once you're in the Learjet, you sort of get a tone that this movie is not straightforward. No. And the fact that there's Target logos throughout the there and there's just products. Like there's like product placement, but there's just products sitting around for no reason that have no reason to be in a in a Learjet. So it's just in the background and they're all having a conversation. They're fighting amongst themselves and he's like, you know, controlling them. You know, yeah. they're having a fight about who's stealing each other's look for photos and interviews. And he goes, Look at me, eye contact, hand, and slaps them on the hands like they're bad puppies or something. And then one of the band <laughs> while they're fighting the one of the band members is just like Dujour means friendship. <laughs> Dujour means Yeah, that's an ongoing along. joke for a lot. Yeah. So it's it's quite quirky and funny and you realise that and then they go, Oh, by the way and they're talking to the manager and they go, By the way, um we were listening to one of the masters and we heard this thing. Can you hear this? And they play it in through headphones, through a mini disc player. I think it was a CD. Yeah, yeah no, mini, I think disc it was mini disc into Not Alan Cummings' ear, and he sort of gets a puzzled, concerned look in his face, and he's like, "Hmm." I'll investigate this. I'll get back to you. Walks out the front, goes and talks to the pilot and says, shake the Chevy to the levee. He starts putting on a parachute. The pilot puts on a parachute and they just jump out of the plane and let it crash. And it's like, what the fuck? Okay. This is not what I was expecting. No. Yeah. So the the next scene is him landing, you know, in the parachute in his suit saying, yes, sorry, we had to ditch them. And you see the plane sort of looking to crash in the background. And then the credit starts and it's Josie and the Pussycats performing in front of like scrap. Yeah, the bowling alley. or Yeah. Yeah. So it's Rachel Lee Cook is Josie. Yep. Who I'm not sure what else she's done. Not I didn't really recognise. I know the much. name. She's turned up in some TV shows she's and done a lot cute. of voice acting and great hair. Hmm. I love her. Tara Reid plays Melody. Yep. And she plays it really well. Mm-hmm. And Rosario Dawson is Valerie. Who's in everything. Yeah. She's following me around. She's following me around because she just seems to be in everything I'm into. She's in the Netflix Marvel TV series. She's in Th- Sin City. She's in Kevin Smith movies. She's just in everything. That seems cool. But yes. So they're sort of there and you got them and they must live in a share house sort of situation because they're going, oh, do you know how far you can make ramen noodles go? So highlighting that they're poor. Yeah. And yeah, that sort of thing. And that's cool. And then you get introduced to the manager character who I couldn't, I don't know who he was. He's probably been in lots of things, but... Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure who he was. And Missy Pyle is playing... It's Alexander. And Missy Pyle's playing Alexandra, which is the skunk-haired girl from the cartoon and the comic. And, and there's a really good line in that where at one stage they're all sort of hanging around and someone sort of goes, why are you here? And she's like, because I was in the comic. And they said, what? And she's yeah, like, nothing. Nothing, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's and a- I do like the, the meta-ness of it. Yeah, and, uh, a bit- and I like Missy Pyle, so she was yeah. probably my favourite thing in it, to be honest. So that sort of happens. So that's playing out. And then you got Alan Cummings walking into Riverdale. Like, he's just parachuted in. He walks into Riverdale. And he goes to the local record shop. And that was massive. Yeah. That was huge. Considering like- Riverdale's meant to be this little hick town. Yeah, but it's like a record shop. In 2001, was still a thing? Probably not. Just for the movie. Oh, it probably was. Mm. And he goes, oh, can you just play this for me? It's a new DuJour album, and he's like the master. And he plays it throughout the PA system in the music store. And then all of a sudden, all the people start going, oh, I've got to buy some Adidas. He goes, yeah, I want to buy a drink. But you don't drink. But I want to. And it's hinting that there's subliminal messages in the in the CD itself. So you sort of get the undertones of what's going on. And then cuts a bit later, and you've got him ringing his boss. Like, he works for a record company saying, we need to replace DuJour, they're gone. We need someone else. I can't just find another band. And he's driving while he's talking on the phone, and then he stops because they walk in front of the girls, Josie and the Pussycats, walk in front of the car, and he's like, whoa. And then he pulls up, like, a blank CD, and he looks at it, and it's like, oh. And frames them in it like it's a CD. Oh, 
this could work and he turns them into a band and this is where it all starts and we won't tell you the you know too much of the plot we won't retell you everything but yeah needless to say that starts the ball rolling of them becoming a signed up big name act for a major record label and the music in the movie is actually really good like it it's that sort of early 2000s girl pop yep they didn't do their own vocals the vocal for Josie is actually done by the lead singer of Letters to Cleo which I read that and I thought you'll know what that means well, I've got I a couple don't. of their CDs actually of course you do they were in uh, what's that movie 10 Things I Hate About You they were the band that was playing at the prom Ah. So they're one of those 90s as fuck Very, bands yes, as well. Yes, yes. And Insane Clown Posse, ironically, Violet J talks about how he's got the hots for the lead singer of Letters to Cleo in a couple of songs. So, <laughs> yeah, it all in a couple? In. in a couple, more <laughs> yeah. than one. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so it, it sort of becomes the your typical plot of a band where they want one member, not all. Yeah. So they push the whole lead singer and push the band out, like the Don't Speak film clip. <laughs> and it, and you also got the undertones with this whole subliminal advertising, everything. So, but the whole movie is true chock full of product placement. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous product placement. But reading in the trivia, they didn't pay one cent for any of it. It was all put in on... (laughs) Yeah, well, they would have made money if they actually took money for it. But yeah, all that product placement was done, ironically, there was no money paid Mm. for it. So... Interesting. Now, the corporation the, the that they work for that is doing all this subliminal advertising through the musical, or, or suggestion, was actually run by Parker Posey. And she's playing a very strange character. I still can't figure out if she's playing a character who's evil or she's almost bipolar. <laughs> I don't know. She's just strange. Like, she's very over-the-top. She's over-the-top fashion. She gets around acting quite girly-girly and weird, but then she's maniacal at other points. It's just, like, interesting performance. She's a very similar to the Elizabeth. Elizabeth Banks' character from the Hunger Games movies, way before the Hunger Games movies yeah. even existed. So I don't know if they had a bit of influence from that or not. But Maybe. Yeah. I thought a bit like the Jack Lemmon character from The Great Race, but I just don't know. Well, that, it's that just, just very shows where our different references <laughs> yes. come from, doesn't it? But, but yeah. No, strangely, though, I really like this movie. I, well, I, the humour's there. It's, yeah. it's funny, and, I mean, Melody is... They they do her well. Yeah. You know, because uh, it's a bit... I mean, I know you love it, because you bring it up quite a bit. <laughs> is when she's singing, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands in the shower. Now, it's a strange shower scene. No boobs, it's not that sort of movie. But she's there having a shower, going, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, and she goes to clap her hands and drops the soap. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> picks it up. Happy <laughs> and you know it, clap your hands... Ah, and she does it three times because it's that rule of threes in jokes. When you yep. do it once, it's funny. Do it a second time, it's not funny. Do it a third time, it's funny again. It's funny again, yeah. yeah. So there's some weird moments in and, there. And they really do play on the fact that she's not really bright. Like, there's another scene where they find out that something bad's going to happen and she's like, oh, I just got a cold chill. But she's actually sat on the ice sculpture <laughs> at the party when she says that sort of thing. And it's like, ties in and... Yeah, it's... I, oh, that's I, a throwback to the cartoon and the comic where she her ears would twitch or something yeah. when something was going to happen. So they're sort of playing on the fact that she had these weird supernatural powers-ish in the comic, which Alexandra had in the comics back in the day with her cat. It was like a familiar, and he was like a, a descendant of their ancestor or something like that. And when they were together, they would have magical powers, but they got rid of that after a few issues. Anyway. So the movie itself was written by uh, the team of Harry Elfin and Deborah Kaplan. And Deborah Kaplan is actually married to Breckenmeyer. So ah. that's where the connection with him comes in. So, yeah. 
Well, Brecken Meyer and Seth Green are the two creators of Robot Chicken, yeah. which we have talked a bit about in early episodes of this. Yep, thing. a couple of our Christmas episodes as well. And yeah, I think Seth Green's the main driving force, but Brecken Meyer's very hands-on involved, yeah. and all the girls have been heavily involved in episodes yep. of of Robot Chicken. Mm-hmm. And there was a Titan Maximus or something like that, which was a stop-motion like Voltron sort of show. Which oh, yeah, I, think, I remember that too. Which Rachel Lee Cook was one of the voices on that. Oh, okay, so it's it's all very obviously these guys enjoyed working together Must and have. stuck around and just keep doing their own things. Unfortunately, it's not tapping into the audience that they really wanted. Now, it's it's a fun movie. Like I said, it feels about 2001 as fuck now. Now, it's, I don't I don't know if I could show this to people. So, like, I got a lot out of it, but I'd really have to pick who I show it to going, oh, this will be a fun movie. Let's have a few drinks and watch this. Hmm. Most people, I think, could enjoy it. Would they love it is another thing. But one thing it is, I can guarantee you, it's a lot better than Gem and the Holograms. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we talked about that last year oh, when we I did, watched yes. it. And it's, that is terrible. Jim and the Holograms should have been this sort of movie, but no, they made it a real film that was boring as hell. Mm. At least this wasn't boring. This was fun was and fun. silly, and the music was great and poppy, and it was all good. One thing I didn't like, though, they weren't wearing the Pussycats outfits. Oh, they had the ears. That's about it. And at one stage, I think they had the leotards on, didn't they? No. No? Not that I remember. I think they had leopard skin t-shirts or something. Yeah. Not but so. not, not quite the same. No. But this year on Netflix, well, here in Australia, on Netflix in America I forget which channel it's on which network but there is a new show called Riverdale hmm. which is a Twin Peaks-esque version of, of Archie yeah a very more adult version of Archie isn't it yeah it's it's that Twin Peaksy sort of small town starts with a murder and a body being found and then it's sort of like everyone's got a secret but it just happens to be Archie characters so it's, it's not your happy-go-lucky everything I mean it's still got the tropes of Archie where you've got Archie is that desirable boy that everyone likes you've got Betty and Veronica one's the girl from the girl next door and the other one's the you know rich princess you've got Jughead who's the outsider Reggie's the prick all these things are there and Josie and the Pussycats are there. But in this version, they're all African-American girls. Just a different take on it. No big deal. They don't wear the outfits, except in one episode. Where they were performing for the school, but for the school, I think it was a performance. And Veronica joined the band because I don't know one of the band members left, and they were wearing their classic outfits. And okay. Veronica's pretty damn hot. And her in the outfit was like, "Yeah, could be my new favorite show." Mm-hmm. Then the, sh- the song ended, and it stopped being my favorite show. Do you remember but what episode that was? About three or four. Oh, maybe I'll check no, it out. No, maybe six. It'll be on YouTube, <laughs> I'm sure. It's a quirky show. Like it, it, it's. I'm intrigued without loving it you know on a weekly basis I'll watch it Friday night I know the new episode drops on Netflix it's like alright let's watch Riverdale hmm. it's dragging a little of anything and so they haven't released it all as one big chunk like no. they do normally with Netflix no no that's a Netflix show oh, okay, but this is just shown on Netflix here in Australia yes okay. whereas it's a network show in America I just can't remember which one but hmm. it's created or show run by Craig Belenti who I don't know how he has the time because he's the guy behind Supergirl Arrow Flash Legends of Tomorrow and Riverdale okay. and he's starting Black Lightning soon. I don't know when how much hands-on he has on these shows but man, he seems to be um, he seems to like comics. Fingers in a lot of pies. <laughs> and he seems to be getting it right. As far as, I mean, is it the best show on telly? Of course not. But it's, you know Watchable, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, yeah. They're making a lot of money. So okay. He's doing okay. Well, obviously, the popularity for Josie is still there because they've done like a couple of comic reboots. They did like a manga style reboot sort mm-hmm. of a few years ago as well. Yep. So the love is there. And I think there's probably a lot of people like us that just watch so much of it when we were kids that it's just become part of our culture. I mean, Archie still exists. 
Yeah. As as it looked, uh, when you grew up, you would have seen Nachi comic at the newsagent, and it looks like that today. And that's how it looked in 1950-whatever, or 60 when it started. Yeah. Now, that's based on the DiCarlo designs, and they have not changed since. That is the look of Archie. Now, it's modernised as far as the plots go. Because well, You know, it's all a... set now. Yeah, it wasn't there a Glee like cro- crossover with Archie? There was, yes. Yeah. One of the characters is gay. And it's not a big deal. It's progressive in that way. Mm. It's set now. It's not set in the 50s. And I think it's a very much like we talked about the Flintstones a few weeks back yeah. in the comic, where it's telling a story using this medium. Now, the Flintstones has been modernised, but still set then but it's talking about current events yeah. and I think that's what Archie does not not to the level of satire or political what's going on now this is teenagers doing teenage things and to their credit they've been a bit strange lately they've made some weird and, and not, not just lately too I mean it's probably 15 years ago now but there was an Archie crossover with The Punisher Okay. so The Punisher from Marvel Comics turns up he was drawn in Archie style they're Archie versus the Predator. So they're doing some crazy stuff, and it's kind of quirky. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like doing a weird TV show, like a kid's show, like That's So Raven or something, and having Predator in it, yeah. but not changing the format of That's So Raven. Yeah. The Predator turns up. You know, it's it's brave in one way and strange, and it's like, why not? So they did it. But something they've done in the last couple of years, they've even gone out a, a different way again, and they've had Afterlife with Archie, which is Archie in a zombie apocalypse. But this isn't drawn... Like like the normal style. This is actually a more realistic sort of artwork and that sort of thing. And they're still the same characters. It's Archie, it's Veronica, it's Betty, and it's the zombie apocalypse. Mm. And this is how these characters behaving as they would in this situation. Okay. And finally, I think, well, Betty tour almost two years ago now they rebooted the Archie universe with modern comic artists and writers sort of writing it again but it's just teenage drama that's all it is it's, exactly. it's, it's just One Tree Hill it's I don't know what Dawson's, Dawson's Creek, Creek. Yeah, it's all that sort of thing but yeah it looks like modern comics so you've got modern style of artworks and the dialogues written by you know Mark Wade who wrote Kingdom Come okay. you know so it's modern stuff but yeah so you can still buy your classic Archie that looks like Archie's look for the last 50 years or there's a new take on Archie and you can buy both hmm. and it just exists so it's a it's a very clever company that like they haven't stopped it. they haven't missed a beat hmm. that's probably more Archie than Josie but it's all but the still, same universe it's all tight yes alrighty well that's a lot of info about Josie that's a rambling a lot episode. of info about Archie <laughs> And that's probably a nice place for us to wrap up this week. Definitely. So, yes, if you have any feedback for us, if you can think of any more cartoons, I've thrown this out before, but I'll throw it out again. If you can think of any more cartoons that we might like to cover that fall in the latter half of the alphabet, give us a heads up. It might be something we haven't thought of. Yep. Probably 70s and 80s is our wheelhouse because that's the sort of stuff that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if you have any feedback, jump on the Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. Our website is dmapodcast.podbean.com. We're on Twitter as the MA Podcast. Seek us out. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you think. All right. Until next time, we'll be back with the letter K. And who knows where we're going with that? Who knows? Oh, yeah. Could be anything. Chuck Norris and his karate commandos. See, I, I reckon we should have done Chuck Norris action jeans for A <laughs> with a gusset. Because not many jeans have Stretch gussets. gusset. Exactly. Yeah. That was my name in prison. <laughs> All right. Until then, Mitch. Thank you very much. No worries. See you later. Mm-hmm.